The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see some familiar faces. Some of you I know. I have the privilege of having you in class. Uh, thanks, Andrew, for the introduction. Thanks, Matt and Alexa, for uh, the lovely worship. Uh, again, my name is Tori Aquilone. I'm so excited to be with you this morning to share something with you that I wish I would have known when I was sitting in your seats. And what I wish I would have known was something about what we call lament, the biblical concept of lament. But before I jump into that, I want to ask you if you've ever been in a situation like this. You're going through something, maybe something with your family, maybe you're having a faith crisis, and you go to talk to someone about it, your friend or a parent, and you pour your heart out to them, and then at the end of all that, they say, you know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And for both people in that situation, that doesn't really feel good. It feels like it should, because this is from the Bible, and it is true that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. But in a sense, this is almost the right truth at the wrong time, right? Even though these biblical truths are true and even relevant to our suffering, we often jump to them without actually even addressing how we really feel about our circumstances, partially because our culture is really uncomfortable with negative emotions. You might have felt a little uncomfortable singing things like when the pieces seem too shattered to gather off the floor, when all that seems to matter is I don't feel you anymore. Singing somber worship songs might be new to you. I know it was new to me when Matt started playing them <clears throat> at our church. This is, again, because we are often uncomfortable with these negative emotions. Compared to other parts of the world, Christians in the United States are fairly blessed, right? We have uh, prosperity in this country, and it has made it so that Christians often don't have to wrestle with the goodness of God in the midst of hardship. I know that was my experience, because when I grew up, I never wanted for anything. I had two parents who loved me, who cared about me, who gave me everything I could not only ever need, but ever want. Then when I came to care, and I still hadn't really experienced many hardships in my life. There were a few, right? But largely my life was characterized by blessing. When hardship came my way in my senior year of Cairn, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to talk to God about it. And it made me question my faith like very quickly. Like I'm almost embarrassed how quickly my faith was questioned just in the midst of a what I look back on as really not something that was that hard for me. So here's a little bit of a picture of it. In my junior year, the summer before my senior year, I got married to Matt, which was very exciting, very cool. That was excellent. But we went to his church. So I had been going to a church and then started going to his church that he was at. I found it really hard to make friends. I found it really hard to get connected with the leadership there. And on top of it, I was also taking a new medication that caused pretty severe psychological side effects. I had uncontrollable fits of anxiety, depression, and even rage. If I could give you a glimpse into my conversations with God in that time, it would sound something like, who are you? What gives you the right? Why is this happening to me? It was a little arrogant, right? 
But at the same time, at least I was talking to God, right? Some people just bypass that and they don't even tell God how they feel and that's the end of their faith, right? What I went through that year was not the worst thing that I would go through. It was a really shallow rock bottom. And I'm not trying to downplay if you're struggling with, with things like what I said right now. I can imagine how difficult that is. But for me, after that, there are several other things that I would have counted harder and worse that I went through. I'll give you one example. When I was 26, so this was in 2018, I suffered a severe injury to my neck. Uh, thankfully, I, I wasn't paralyzed or anything like that, but I had severe nerve pain from my neck to my fingers in both arms. Has anybody ever had nerve pain? It's like a special kind of torture, right? And nerve pain often doesn't go away. And so from the moment of my injury until several years later, I was in constant pain. Sometimes it was better, sometimes it was worse, but most of the time it was just pain. I actually sometimes couldn't even prepare a meal for myself. I would drive the car crying because it hurt my hands and wrists so much. After two surgeries, actually three, the two surgeries were really helpful and then the third surgery kind of like capped it off. I am mostly free of pain and I praise God for that every single day. But in the years, oh, thank you. <laughs> in the years that I had that chronic pain, I actually fared better spiritually than that proverbially challenging first year of marriage that I had. Why was that? What made the difference for me? And this is what I'm here to share with you about today. The difference for me was that I learned how to lament. Lament is a biblical concept of personally or corporately sharing with God your pain in worship. A short definition is that lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust in God. I was never taught how to lament Either in my, my life growing up, I was never taught to bring my pain to God. I was also never taught this in any meaningful way while I was a student at Cairn. And so here I am to hopefully teach you something. Even if I was taught this, I don't really know that I would have known how to do it because our culture shies away from negative emotions so strongly, right? But while our culture shies away from negative emotions, the Bible doesn't. For example, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. The prophet Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction of God's holy city and his temple. And this is not a PG destruction. People are dying. People cannibalized each other. There was rape. And this is what Lamentations is about. The original title of Lamentations was just how. You can hear the desperation. How, God? Could you be on the throne when this is happening to your people? How, God, could you allow this to happen? How are you all powerful? How are you good? The book of Psalms is also known for its laments. If you start to look in the Psalms, you'll see a lot of them also start with how. This is the way a lot of laments start. One third of all the Psalms are Psalms of lament. I wanna to look together at Psalm 13 because it's what I call a lament blueprint. It sort of teaches us how to lament in scripture. It's short, but we can see how David interacts with God in the midst of his pain. Psalm 13, verse one. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. 
Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. We learn three things from David here about how to lament. The first one is that it's a little bit obvious, but who is David talking to here? It's God. He goes to God. And we actually see that he wasn't going to God initially because he says, how long should I take counsel in my own soul? David shows the emptiness of going to ourselves instead of God when we suffer. David also says some pretty honest stuff to God. He almost accuses him of not being there for him, hiding his face from him, forgetting him. And it's important to note that it's not that God forgot David, it's that David felt like God forgot him, right? And so David's being honest with him about how he feels. After David tells God the truth, he prays for deliverance and renews his trust in him by saying, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. I will sing to my Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What's interesting about these psalms is that when Israel was gathering for corporate worship, often when they were ascending the mount to worship, they would sing psalms, and they would sing psalms of lament. So lament was a regular part of Israel's worship of Yahweh, and it should be a regular part of our life as well. But how do we do it? How do we learn to lament? The three things I've pulled from Psalm 13 are what I'm hoping we can take away in learning to lament today. The first is that we should go to God. The second is that we should tell him the truth. And the third is that we should surrender to him. So first, going to God, what does this look like? Well, this may seem simple in theory, but harder in application. When we suffer, sometimes we keep it to ourselves in harmful ways, taking counsel in our own soul. So this is how I take counsel in my own soul. I will uh, go get my favorite food, take out, right? set up my favorite show on Netflix, usually a comedy from the early 2000s, you can maybe guess, and then I watch it until Netflix basically asks me if I'm still alive, right? (laughs) Are you still watching this? Either I'm asleep or, I don't know, numb. But at that point, I've forgotten, right? Whether it's because you're laughing along with it or whatever. That's, That's how I do it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you scroll on TikTok. You distract yourself somehow. Maybe you have a different propensity. Everyone's on a spectrum somewhere. Maybe you tend to identify with your pain. You almost wallow in it. It becomes you. And when you're really going through something, it can be genuinely difficult to not let this happen, to continue to find our identity in Jesus when pain is characterizing our days. And I know this because of the chronic pain I experienced. But both of these things are just ways to take counsel in our own soul. And David shows how empty of a direction that is. So why do we do this? Why do we take counsel in our own soul? Why do we distract ourselves or wallow? More often than not, we fail to bring our pain to God because we don't really know how. We don't really know what to say. We feel like maybe it's even disrespectful to tell God that we're unhappy with the circumstances we know he's sovereignly ordained. Or maybe we're angry. This is usually me, right? I I struggle with anger. And If you give humans in your life the cold shoulder, let me tell you, you probably give God the cold shoulder too. You're too angry with what's going on in your life to even talk with him about it. 
Or maybe you want to trust God and you want to ask him for deliverance, but you feel like it's too risky. How do you go to God and ask him to save you from this pain? What if he doesn't? So you just avoid it. But if we don't even go to God, while that can sometimes help us avoid the negative emotions, it doesn't actually solve any of our problems. We almost bypass the process of lament by not going to the one person who has actual power over our situation. God has power over your situation to change it, but he also has power over your situation to change you while you're going through it. Let's not bypass lament. Let's go right to God with our pain. And often we feel like we can't tell him the truth about it, right? We can't be honest because it's too harsh or something. But this is my next point. When you go to God, you want to tell him the truth. This may come as a shock to you, but our omnipotent, omnipresent God is not surprised that you're angry with him. He's not surprised that you're avoiding him. He patiently watches as you sit there on the couch watching Netflix or scroll on TikTok, wishing that you would go to him with your pain. He's not surprised about how you feel, and so you can be honest with him. You don't have to pretend to feel a certain way so that you can feel more spiritual. Sometimes we're scared that if God hears what we're honestly feeling, he will reject us because we're questioning his goodness or questioning what he's ordained for us. But here's the thing. It is true that all things work together for the good of those who love God. But there's an all things there, right? It's not just that all things work together. It's that maybe we should camp out on those all things for a few minutes and talk to God about them. My husband likes to say that God is big enough for you to beat on his chest. His love for you is not going to change because you brought your honest complaint to him. If we bypass this process of lament, we bypass an opportunity for intimacy with God and to connect with him, not only in our suffering, but in the suffering of the entire world. So we see in Israel's you know, worship that they lamented together. We all just lamented together. Maybe there's somebody in this room who really just needed to lament this morning. God hates the sin in the world so much that he came to redeem it. So when we connect with God over lamenting what's going on in this world, the brokenness, the sin, the death, and destruction, we are communing with God over something that he also laments and cares about. When we mourn sin and death and pain, we experience intimacy with God in telling the truth about how this world is not how it's supposed to be, how it needs a redeemer. We agree with God that on the backdrop of the suffering of this world, his redemption plan is glorious. His plan to send Jesus to die for our sin, to redeem all of creation, and to resurrect us to new life. This salvation is also what allows us to surrender to God in our suffering. So we've talked about going to God. We go to him with our honest complaint, and we tell him the truth. But we don't want to stay there, right? Because then we still risk this wallowing. How do we trust God and surrender to him? How do we know he is worthy of our trust? Well, I'll give you one. God's love for us is displayed in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. When humans were still exhibiting themselves to be the cause of all the sin and suffering in the world, Jesus became sin and suffered for us. 
winning for us new life. This is why we can trust him. God is good, he loves us, and he saved us. And so we want to try to make it to the surrender portion of our lament, or else we risk wallowing in pain without any resolution. See, wallowing makes our pain an end in itself, but the goal, the stated goal of lament, is to trust in God more. In wallowing, we fix our eyes on ourselves, but in lament, we fix our eyes on Jesus. If we avoid lament altogether and trust in ourselves, whether we distract ourselves or we wallow, these are ultimately still taking counsel in our own soul and trusting in ourselves. What does this look like in a moment of lament? What does it look like to surrender? Here's a few lines that I know I've heard myself say, and maybe you could say them too. God, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know why, but I trust that you will carry me through it and be with me, because you have promised that you will not leave me. Or maybe you say, God, I don't see how any of this could be good. I do not see this working out in my lifetime, but I know that you are good. In this way, surrendering to God also has an element of telling the truth about it. We're telling the truth to God about who he is and what he has promised us. So here's a couple of promises that we can lean on when we're suffering. God will never leave us or forsake us. God gives us strength. God gives us rest. God gives us wisdom. God will meet our needs. Because the truth is, and I hate to break it to you, things might not work out in an earthly way here for you, depending on what you're going through. Even if we have a reprieve from suffering here and there on earth, we all will ultimately die. The wages of sin is death. No one will escape it. Maybe you've been in a situation like this. In April of this year, my family gathered around the deathbed of my husband's 86-year-old grandmother, who was losing a 10-year battle with cancer. And I gotta be honest, we didn't pray that she would be healed, right? We didn't pray that she would come back from total organ failure. It, it doesn't happen. I mean, maybe in a miracle, but we prayed for a swift passing into glory. We prayed for ultimate healing and resurrection. We claimed God's promises because we knew death would come for her and death will come for us all. In a sense, we need to surrender not just to God in our personal circumstances, we need to surrender to the fact that we all are going to suffer, that we can't escape it, that it's inevitable, and it's because of man's sin, not God's fault. This is an existential problem that is the fault of man, but God is the solution. And so some of us will experience great suffering in this life, Here's just a few things that are not off limits for the Christian. You could lose family members, brothers, sisters, parents, children, spouses. You could lose them too soon. Not off limits. You could be in a debilitating car accident and lose to total use of your legs. Permanently disabled. Not off limits for the Christian. You could experience degenerative disease. You could go be a missionary and die for the gospel. Look at church history. These things are not off limits. Lament allows us to tell the truth about how bad such things really are, how badly man's sin has screwed up our world. Losing our faith at these exact times is, is the worst thing that could happen because not only do we experience tragedy, but we don't have anyone to help us through it. We have no hope and we're alone. 
So this act of surrender, taking on the belief that suffering is an expected part of the Christian life, this is what I wish I would have known when I was at Cairn. This will reorient your suffering, allow you to learn to lament by telling the truth and trusting God. Fix your eyes on Christ in your suffering. He is a high priest who sympathizes with our suffering, for he suffered himself. This is the incarnation, right? He joined us here on this broken earth to redeem it. And he is an example of how to lament well. I'll just briefly cover some of the events surrounding the crucifixion. David is a striking example of how to lament well, but so is Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he goes to God. He says, God, let this cup pass from me. God, you are the author of this gospel story. Can we change the plot? Because I don't want to go to that cross. And there's an element of honesty there too, right? And there's an element of surrender when he says, but Lord, not my will, but yours. And then when he's on the cross, the eternal harmony of the triune God is broken for the first time when Jesus has to become sin and bear the wrath of God. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he pulls it directly from a psalm. He tells God the truth about the anguish he's experiencing, perhaps the most amount of anguish a human will ever experience. Finally, after it is finished, Jesus says to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus surrenders to God to the point of death. He surrenders his spirit and his life to him. But here's the thing. Jesus is God's only begotten son. Do you not think that God loves him immensely? And yet Jesus suffered. And so when we're suffering, while it can feel like God doesn't love us, we have to tell ourselves the truth, that God's love for us is not displayed in whether or not we suffer. God's love for us is displayed in how he saves us from our suffering eternally. He saves us from our suffering eternally through the resurrection. He, God, Jesus coming and dying on the cross and resurrecting again is the reason that lament is a temporary human experience. Jesus is not just a good example of lament. He came to end lament. He came to make it so that lament is something that will only be experienced on earth and not forever in heaven. Jesus came to defeat the very sin and brokenness that we struggle with day in and day out on this fallen earth. His pain becomes God's glory. His resurrection overcomes sin and death itself. When we tell the truth about our pain, we reflect back to God his redemptive purpose. That not only was there a reason to come, but that what he did when he came here was glorious. The resurrection isn't just some false comfort, right? It's not like you, you give a child a lollipop after going to the doctor, right? That's not the resurrection. You know what, the resurrection's also not like waking up from a bad dream. You ever woken up from a bad dream in the middle of the night? And you're like, wow, thank goodness that's not real. But your body still thinks it's real, right? Your heart is racing, you have adrenaline pumping through your veins, you're drenched in sweat, and you have trouble going back to sleep. The resurrection isn't like that. Your body doesn't still know it's real. It becomes untrue. The resurrection is all things made right. This is why we need to take our lament to the right person and trust him with our pain. He is trustworthy to ultimately turn it into glory render it powerless over us for eternity. In times of suffering, we need to entrust ourselves to the one who loves us, who is sovereign, and who already defeated death. 
The resurrection reorients our suffering, reminding us that it's temporary, thanks to the Lord Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus didn't come just to be a good example of lament. He came to end our lament. In closing, chapel speakers who are alumni, this is alumni week, we're gonna celebrate homecoming this weekend for the first time in a couple of years. I know I'm really excited. We're often asked to share, what do you wish you would have known while you were here? And this is what I wish someone would have told me. Pain and suffering is inevitable, but it doesn't have to break your faith. Learning to lament is a way to connect with God and his promises in the midst of suffering, strengthening your faith. It's not a matter of if we will suffer, but how we will suffer. As we await eternity and inevitably experience hardship, learn to lament. Go to God, tell him the truth, and surrender to him. Rejoice in his salvation because he has dealt bountifully with us. Fix your eyes on Christ. Thank you. I'm going to pray. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, I simply pray that these precious students would learn to lament. I pray that they would learn to trust you in hardship and that you would be real to them in the midst of their suffering. I pray for anyone right now who is in pain, that you would be near to them, that you would deliver them from their pain, and that you would change them through it to be more like your son, Jesus. I pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.